0: If you like a title, I quite like a title, I'm doing a four series message called, I'll have a cup of that. <laughs> Turn to the person on the other side of you and spoke to you, it might be behind you and go, I'm going to have a cup of that. <laughs> Everyone likes a cup of that. And it stems from the Passover. You will find the Passover in Exodus 12 and I was calculating it and um, I'm 47 now. I've been in church for more than 40 years. Give me a wave if you've been in church 40 years or more. Awesome, look at that. We've got some mature people in the house. But my my wrestle then is the things that I have been taught for 40 years and think are obvious and basic, there's lots of people seeking Jesus, lots of people just meeting Jesus, lots of people have been in the church for two or three years. And so when I talk about Passover, for me that's obvious, but it's not obvious for everyone. And so I want to be clear what it is. So here we have um, the Israelite people Um, In Egypt, struggling. They're oppressed. They're slaves. They've been made to work ridiculously hard. They have been there for 400 years. Now, if you call a generation 20 years for argument's sake, that's 20 generations. They don't know any different. That's all they've ever known. Their parents were there. Their grandparents were there. Their great-grandparents. 20 generations. They've known nothing else. And they're in this place, and it's difficult. And God, speaking through Moses, says, you need to go and take a spotless lamb. Find a lamb in your, in your herd. Herd of lambs? Cows. Flock. <laughs> a flock of cows. <laughs> a flock of sheep. And so he said, go and find a lamb, a spotless lamb, the best lamb. And, and kill that lamb, sacrifice that lamb. And then with the blood, I want you to door it on your doorposts. Because tonight, I'm releasing the angel of death to come in. And when he sees the blood, he will pass over your house. And that's where the name came. And so if the blood wasn't there, the angel of death went in and took the firstborn child. And so it was it was a horrendous time, but all the Jewish people were safe from death. Death passed over them because of the blood of the spotless lamb. So Passover, we understand what's going on there. So a difficult time for them all. But it's a picture of blood being recognized and death passing over you. Everything in the Old Testament, true and real, is a foreshadow of what the actual reality is with Jesus. And so we now know that Jesus is our ultimate spotless lamb. That was a shadow, now we have Jesus. And so when you engage with Jesus, he said, this is my blood given for you. When you engage with Jesus, in effect, it is daubing yourself with the blood of Jesus, so death passes over you. And although our bodies die, and that is sad, the very essence of you, your spirit, and your soul lives on. And the word says you get new bodies in heaven, that's going to be cool. Imagine what what kind of body do you guys want, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know. I think Dan wants Schwarzenegger's body. I think James Troy's after Brad Pitt's body. I don't know what it is you might like. I don't know. But it's not going to be heaven unless you get what you want, really, is it? Because then it's like, oh, that's not what I hope for, for eternity. And I jest, but death passed over. Do you get the point? And so that's why this is so, so significant. Jesus is at a Passover meal. They celebrated this, and they still celebrate it today. They were at a Passover meal, remembering that death passed over them, remembering the spotless lamb. And at that Passover meal, Jesus said, taking the cup, this is my blood given for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. In effect, saying, I'm the spotless lamb. He was reminding them of all of that. And so he's encouraging them over this. And do you know, this story is in all four Gospels. And I believe if something's in the Bible once, it's really important. If it's in there twice, it's proper important. If it's in there in all four Gospels, we need to get it. It's in all four Gospels. If this Passover story, this communion story, this remembering the blood, this taking the cup, is central to who we are as believers, death passes over you. And I love it, you know. We've, I've taken a couple of funerals now, and of course it's sad, and we mourn, and we've lost someone. But death doesn't have the last word anymore. Death genuinely has lost its sting, because death in its worst form passes over with the blood of Jesus. So you can live with confidence. It doesn't have the last word anymore over you, which is so, so cool. I think someone should be a little bit more excited about that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to heaven. Oh, well, come on, people. When you dig a little bit deeper into the Passover, and it doesn't come through in your Bible, but you read history books, you look at the Jewish traditions, they don't have one cup at Passover. They have four cups. And it's just like, sometimes I think we've missed something. The Jewish people know how to have a meal. The Jewish people know how to have a party, how to have a wedding. We do everything in little miniature form and think, oh, it's great. They're smashing it. Who wants four cups of wine at the meal? (laughs) Everyone's so holy in this place. Am I allowed to say yes? I want to say yes, but I'm feeling wrong. Four cups of wine? They have four cups of wine at the Passover meal. It's in the third cup that Jesus says this, and I'm going to explain it to you. That's why I'm going to do four messages, because I want to give a message on each cup, and it's going to help you. The great thing is the meanings and the symbolism behind each cup will bring life to your day-to-day walk now, if you grasp it. Give me a wave if you even knew that there was four cups. See, it's a few, but not many. It's interesting, isn't it? It's always been there, but we don't know it. And so the Bible's just so cool. So I'm calling this, I'll have a cup of that, yeah? That's where the title comes from. Let me explain to you the four cups. Uh, They come from Exodus 6, and verses 6 and 7, they'll come on the screen in a moment. And it comes from four Things that God says he will do. They're the four I wills of God. And each of those promises they drink a cup to. Which sounds pretty cool. Let me read it to you. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will... Bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. The first cup there is linked with that I will promise. Bringing you out of oppression is the cup of sanctification. If you're making notes, the first cup is the cup of sanctification. Because God says to them, I will bring you out. That's their first promise. I will free you from being slaves to them. I'm going to set you free from slavery. It's the cup of deliverance. So the second cup is the cup of deliverance. And I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with my mighty acts of judgment. That's the cup that Jesus is re- referring to, his outstretched arms. I'm going to redeem you. So it's the cup of redemption, Is the third cup. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will adopt you. It's the cup of acceptance. Some people refer to it as the cup of praise because we're with him. But for this example, let's use the, the cup of acceptance Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So the the four cups of, of, um, of this ceremony here come from this verse. All of this now builds a picture of a bunch of people who have been enslaved and in oppression for 400 years, who have forgotten what it even means to be free, who have stopped dreaming, who are getting on with life and pretty much hating it. And I think the reality is so many people today live like that. They've lived so long in a certain way, they don't know any different. And it's not the life they've hoped for, but they don't know anything else. And they're kind of stuck. They're oppressed by it all, and they don't know any way out. But God says, I will. I will bring you out. They are oppressed. They're enslaved. They're struggling. They're mentally struggling. They're physically struggling. But they're people who always hope for something better. And didn't know a way out. And suddenly God turns up and says, I will. I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will redeem you. I will adopt you. Suddenly there's hope in hearts. Suddenly there's a dream again. Suddenly there's light at the end of the tunnel. Could this really be about to happen? In that thickness of enslavement and oppression, they started to see something new for the first time in 400 years. Because God says, I will. I will. Let me say over to you people today, I don't know what you're up against, but God's saying to you today, I will. I will. I don't know what you're up against, but he can. And he's saying to you today, he will. Come on, get some excitement, guys. Get something moving in your spirits. I want to, you know, just as a side note to the preaching. Years ago, we had a gang of people who were really responsive. You know, do you know what? If you're ever going to preach... If you're ever going to preach, you want someone to say, yes, amen, well done, or boo, hiss, whatever you're thinking. <laughs> but when everyone says nothing, you're like, oh, God, trying to read the crowd here. <laughs> I, want to, I want to set something. You know, we're going to have lots of people coming into our church in the next few months. I just know God's going to be up to something. How about if one person says amen, we all say amen? How about if one person claps, we all clap? Wait, there it is. I tell you why, because you're inviting someone into an environment of faith. So if your friend comes who you're believing for, comes and sits here, and it's like, oh, sorry, Victor. Totally ruined your day, bro. Amen. <laughs> but culture takes time. See, I, I hope... That when Neil Harvey comes and says something that inspires you and one person says amen, you'll all go amen. Or preach it or go Neil or whatever you think, I don't know. If one person claps, we all clap because it's creating an environment. You now God doesn't respond to environments, people do. But in the environment, your heart is lifted and it connects with God. And then faith arises. So don't think your amen and your clap is doing nothing. It's creating a space for people to encounter Jesus. And it's helping the preacher. Because, oh, I'm doing quite good today. Someone actually said something. (laughs) Are we up for that, church? Can it become our norm? Come on, let's create a place where we love being here. So God promises these guys all this stuff in the middle of their desperation. And he does exactly what he says he's going to do. You know the story. That's not today's preach. You know he does it. You know he takes them out. You know they cross the sea. You know they go into promise. That all happened. And this is good news for you, too. So the first cup I'm going to talk to you about today is the cup of sanctification. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are sanctified. Awesome, I tell you, I've got a responsive crowd today. Here's the thing. Let me tell you a little story. Um, Daniel and Sarah, my brother and sister here, who are pretty awesome, for their wedding, how long have you guys been married? 19 years now? 19 years married. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Dan still can't believe she said yes. Child Child bride, he said. (laughs) Amen. When they got married, they got bought one of those really posh cutlery sets. Do you know what I mean? Really, you know the, the solid silver ones? You get six knives and six... Six spoons and six forks, and you know those ones, and they come in a come in a, a, a presentation box, and it's really, really lovely. And they've had it now for nineteen years. It sits in a posh display box, and it gets used on special occasions. Let me tell you, if you get invited to Daniel Sarah's house, you will know how special you are. Because <laughs> if the posh cutlery comes out, you're you're, you're it if like Sarah and I you go around there <laughs> plastic forks you know what I'm saying Thank <laughs> can't be bothered do the washing up <laughs> that cutlery is sanctified because it is set aside for the purpose it was created for sanctification has very little to do with perfection and everything to do with purpose And so the reality is here that is that cutlery perfect? After 19 years, I'm going to say probably not. It'll have a nick in it, it'll have a watermark in it. But is it sanctified? Yes, it is, because it is set aside for its purpose. That's sanctification. And so we've got to get beyond these words. You know, we talk about holiness and and things like righteousness, it's a different thing. Sanctification, it doesn't mean perfection. Yeah, I like this idea of everyone knows that church buildings are set apart for a purpose, yeah? But are they perfect? No, most of them are falling apart. Got a roof fund. The classic roof fund. We need $6 billion to replace our roof. Sanctified, set apart for purpose. When people drive past the church, they know what it's about. They know it's for a purpose. They know what's going to be happening in that place. It's set apart. Is it perfect? No. Marriage is set apart. Yeah. Our marriage is perfect. Other than ours, babe. <laughs> no, they're not. In fact, not even ours. I'm in it. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> oh, Kenny, I used to love you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Marriages aren't perfect, but they're set apart. So they're sanctified. Are you perfect? But are you set apart? You are sanctified. And what sanctifies you is engaging with the king of kings and saying, I'm for you. And he says, I will bring you out and set you apart because you have purpose. And so all these people for 400 years have had no purpose other than getting up and doing what they've been told to do. Imagine to yourself, you're you're an athlete or you're an artist or you're a teacher or or whatever it might be. And every day you can't do those things because you've got to build another wall, build another wall, build another wall. For 400 years, You, you kind of don't feel sanctified anymore, do you? But God says, I will. I will bring you out. I love this because you haven't got to do anything he's doing it all and he says I will sanctify you I will bring you out now I believe we can all relate to this at some level or another I believe whether it be now or in the past or maybe in the future you've been in bondage to something I wonder how many people are in bondage to someone else's expectations Someone's expecting me to do this. I'm really struggling to do it, but I've got to work really hard at it. It's not my natural gift, but I don't want to let anyone down. And I just keep going, you're in bondage. Yet you should be set apart. I wonder how many people are in bondage to fear, anxiety, bad habits, food, drink. You could name endless things that people are bound by. If you can't say no, it's got you. And so we find ourselves in bondage but I want to say to you today every day we get the opportunity to say thank you to the God who says I can bring you out and I will Amen. do you see what I'm saying it's not he's not saying I could if I wanted to but I'm having to think about it <laughs> I will bring you out Amen. It's the cup of sanctification. Do you see, when you start understanding the cup, suddenly that applies to your life now. When you start understanding the cup, suddenly there's hope in your life that actually I don't have to be in bondage to this thing anymore because the first cup says to me, I'm coming out and I'm being set aside and I do have purpose. And you're an amazing person. The great thing I love about... Our faith, Christianity, as opposed to many other faiths, is that in many other faiths, you have to do something to get to God. In Christianity, God does something to get to you. I will get you out. I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will adopt you. Not you doing it to me. I will do it for you. Titus, uh, don't preach it often from Titus. Let's have a look at Titus. Uh, Titus 3 verses 3 through 8 says this. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. What he's saying here is, God reached out to you when you were acting like an idiot, when you were living a life that you weren't proud of. God said, yeah, but I love you, and I'm reaching out to you, and I will bring you out. But then it says, and because of that, we get a choice to live differently. This is trustworthy and true. You know, God has always been about reaching out to you and setting you free. Always. Jesus said, I come to seek and save what was lost. I came to set the oppressed free. I came that you would have life in the fullness. This was Jesus' message all of the time. Sometimes we've made it something else. But God is reaching out to you in the midst of your oppression, in the midst of your struggle, saying, I will bring you out. That cup of sanctification should be a cup that you say, give me that cup. I want a cup of that. And it's your truth today. We aren't supposed to wallow and struggle and be defeated and live bound. We're not. Too many of us do, but we're not supposed to be there. The first cup of Passover is a reminder that you have purpose and that you are valuable and you can live like that. Not perfect, but Important. I love this idea that, you know, we talk about uh, living set apart. And living set apart means choosing to live a life that matches your value. Do you live according to who God says you are? Do your life choices match up with that? He has reached out to you in Jesus and said, I'm giving you my blood that will set you apart, that will let death pass over you. Now all of us get an opportunity to respond. And we can say, no, that's not for me. Or we can say, yes, I definitely want that. And once we've said, yes, I definitely want that, we get further choices. How are you going to live then? Because now you're saying, I'm set apart, I have purpose, and I have value. So what are my life choices going to be to match up to that then? And this is the difficulty. I I just wonder, does anyone here like a McDonald's now and then? (laughs) Wow, wow. Gracie, your voice got deep there just saying. Oh, what about KFC? Anyone like a KFC? Can you imagine? We all trundle down to KFC. We all trundle down to McDonald's. And when we sit down, we get out the posh cutlery. Can you imagine that? Everyone's going to be looking at you like... They've got the silver cutlery out at McDonald's. Weirdos. Can I say you're the silver cutlery? You are set apart. You are sanctified. You are valuable. And you have purpose. And yet all too often we're living in McDonald's. All too often we're getting involved in a conversation. You are too valuable for that conversation. All too often we're finding ourselves doing things, we we feel like, what am I doing here? You are too valuable to be there. All too often we get ourselves caught up in something and you don't belong there because you're sanctified. You are the silver cutlery and you don't belong in McDonald's. Nothing against McDonald's and there are other great restaurants. (laughs) But you hear the point I'm making. Come on, church, we are sanctified. And that means you get an opportunity to choose every day where you're going to position yourself, what you're going to say, how you're going to think, how you're going to relate to someone. Every day you get that choice. And if your starting point is God has pulled me out of oppression, set me apart for purpose, and I'm valuable, I'm going to live like that. That's the cup of sanctification. Oh, I'm on a day. I might have to get a TD Jake's Dabber in a minute. Because <laughs> someone keeps turning off the air con. <laughs> Every single one of us has a same purpose. But we also all have individual purpose. Amen. Every single one of us is set aside to let the love of Jesus in. And every single one of us is then called to diffuse the love of Jesus out. We are set apart for that. That is our job, to advance the kingdom, to let Jesus be made known in our workplace, in our homes, in our friendship groups, everywhere around us. We are all set aside for that. So when we find ourselves trash-talking, when we find ourselves thinking wrong stuff, when we find ourselves hanging out in the wrong places, we're not doing what we're called to, set apart, to be set apart for. And so the challenge this morning is, let's have a cup of that. Let's take that cup of sanctification, understand what it means, because it, when you flow in your calling, you flow well. Some people here are brilliant artists. Some people here are brilliant businessmen and women. Some people here are brilliant in the medical world. Some people are brilliant in the teaching world. Some people are brilliant laboring on a building site. Some people are brilliant parents. Every single one of you has got something, and I believe lots of things actually, that you're gifted for. And when you set yourself apart and say, God, you've given me a gift in my life, and you start using that gift, heaven flows through you. I don't know, did anyone go and visit Jenny at her, her, her artist show? What was it, at the, the gallery? You know, she's got a gift. Yeah. And I've known Jenny a long time, and there was a period when she stopped painting. But when Jenny paints, she comes alive. Yeah. Why? Because she's got a gift. Yeah. And when Jenny tries to sell them, she sells them. Go, Jenny, go become a millionaire painter, I say. Yeah. It's the first time she said amen all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you hear what I'm saying? Someone's got a gift. And when you set yourself apart and use your gift, you flow in your calling and heaven moves and heaven moves. And so we are called to live lives that match up with our gifting and our purpose. And God is honoured. You're actually agreeing that you're sanctified and set apart for purpose. So when you start thinking, okay, Barry, where do I start with that? Do you know what the first sip of the cup of sanctification is surrender. Yeah. The first thing we need to do, if we're agreeing with the thought process I'm sharing today, is go to God and say, I'm giving myself to you. Will you lead me? Yeah. Jesus came and he said, Follow me. You know, the Mo- they all had to follow Moses and then Joshua. They were led. They were showing us something. So we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, I need you to be the lamp unto my feet. I need to follow you. I need you to teach me and guide me and show me what's true. And when you submit and surrender to that, what you're saying is, you're taking me to a place where I'm set apart. And in that place, you will function best because you're a gifted man and you're a gifted woman. And God has purpose for you. And that is where you will enjoy things best. How often do we get caught up in other things? It's so easy. And then you look back and you think, six months has gone past, and I haven't actually enjoyed myself, and I haven't even used my gift. Why? Because the devil wants us oppressed. Yeah. And it's so easy to get pulled back into that. And that's why church is important. That we get around each other and say, how are you doing? Oh, I've had a struggle this week. No, come on, remember, we're sanctified. Let's get back to Jesus and surrender again. And let's get my life back on track so I can flow in the thing I'm called to do. And you're not called to do what I'm called to do, and I'm not called to do what you're called to do, but if we all do what we're called to do, the place is a good place. Yeah. And it's a place where we can flow. I just want to see people with dreams ignited again. So great, Sarah-Jane preached brilliantly last week, didn't know what I was going to say this week, and I had already written this message. But it's great how God weaves a pattern. She talked about dreams, and I think God's saying, come on church, start dreaming again. You've been living oppressed for too long. Come on, let's get this first cup. Let's take a sip of that first cup and say, I am set apart. I am the solid silver cutlery, and I don't belong in this environment. I'm putting myself in the correct environment where I can flow, where I can be me, where I can flourish. And you know what? You don't have to do anything because God says, I will. We don't serve a God that says, you've got to do it all. We serve a God that says, I've done it all, and we're stepping in. But in the him doing it all, it frees us with choices to live a life that acknowledges our sanctification or to live a different life. And so my encouragement to you is say, come on, let's live surrendered. Let's live surrendered to the king because it's that place that you're going to flow in. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. 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 (laughs) Can you stand? I'd love to pray with you. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church, let's just engage. You know, we've said a whole lot of things. Hopefully, something that's been said has stirred you. I just wonder if there's some people here today who might find it helpful in this environment to say, I need to surrender again. I found myself oppressed, I found myself struggling, I found myself in a dark place. And I know I don't belong there. And the first step back into your calling is to say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you all over again. Just with every eye closed, is there anyone here today saying, yep, I need to surrender again because I want to live sanctified. Give me a way. we're going to pray together. Bless you there, bless you there, wow. Bless you over there, bless you at the back, bless you there. So good. Bless you at the back bless you in the middle thank you Jesus Lord you've seen the hands and you know the hearts and we make a choice right now as an entire group even to say Jesus we surrender to you again thank you that you will lead us in the wide open spaces of grace thank you that you will lead us into your goodness and your fullness so we surrender and we're taking that first sip the cup of sanctification that sets us apart to be your children that sets us apart to flow in your God-given gifts which sets us apart to live a life of joy Jesus Jesus Lord Jesus I feel like I want to give opportunity for people who might feel like You're living oppressed. You've been up against some stuff. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but what's been going on? What have you been struggling with? What have you not been able to get past? What's held you back? Because it's in sanctification that God pulls you out of that. And I want to give opportunity for a moment for anyone here today who's saying, I found myself stuck. And I want to believe that God in his supernatural power could shift it in a moment so that you actually leave this place different, feeling different, thinking different, speaking different, and getting different results. So if you're someone who says, yeah, I've just been struggling, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I'm just going to ask you to give me a wave and we're going to pray together. Is that you today? Bless you there, bless you there, bless you at the back, bless you in the middle, bless you at the side, lots of people, so, so good, Lord God. Lord God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that lives are being changed. Come on, church, even if you're not raising your hand, let's stir our faith to believe for someone else's freedom. Come on, God sanctified all of us. Let's believe for someone else's freedom today. Lord, we just wage war with anything that is oppressing your saints. Come on, pray with me, church. We wage war with anything that is oppressing your saints, and we say, back off in Jesus' name. We call them out. We surrender to you, Jesus. And we say, you will. You will, God. You will pull us out. And you will set us free. And you will redeem us. And you will adopt us. And we will live lives of freedom, laughing all the way through. And in the, in the, in the living of the life, we will see salvation around us. We will see the kingdom advance. This will be the best life, Jesus. Jesus. If you're someone who put your hand up, I just declare it over you right now freedom in Jesus' name. He's called you out and he's set you apart. He's set you apart. Now, here's where the choice comes, church. You need to choose and you can choose to believe it's done. You need to choose and you can choose to think about it differently. You need to choose and you can choose. To speak about it differently. And I believe in choosing your choosing life. You are sanctified. You are valuable. You have purpose. You're called to represent the King. Church, how about we live like that? Is there one last amen in the house?